So that's the announcements. If you'd open up to the first book of Timothy, chapter 4. Let's pray. What is we open our Bibles or our Bible apps. I pray that we'd be opening our hearts as well to receive what you have for us here this morning. And Lord, speak in a way that changes us. I'll say, Lord, we all need to be changed to one degree or another. Father, I pray you just be glorified in this process of the teaching of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. And I'll stop there. Uh, I want to get to this whole chapter, but there's so many jumping off points. That, you know, you could teach 20 sermons. And, you know, you know when Paul wrote a letter, they read the whole letter, you know what I mean? But I'll bet they took it and, and kind of chunked it up like we do and chopped it up and did the deep diving and stuff. I'm not opposed to it. I think it's a wonderful thing. I'm always concerned that we dive so deep that we kind of lose the, it, it doesn't, the, 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 the phrases and the, and the paragraphs, they don't hold together anymore because we're drilling down, focusing on one little, and it, churches do that, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, there's no race to get through. I, I was listening to one guy, he was like teaching through Isaiah, and he's been on it like two and a half years and something. God bless him. Uh, I, I, I have an idea like, you know, we have to make some sort of like, some sort of like marching pace that we have to be making some sort of headway or otherwise people lose like, oh my goodness, First Timothy again, you know, that's eight months now. So I try to, you know, do about a chapter in the New Testament and it doesn't always work out that way. And then in the Old Testament, I try to do like about two chapters and again, it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, but today I'm going to try to get through this all. Now, the Spirit express, and I don't know if I'll actually do that. Now, the Spirit exp- uh, speaketh expressly. What is that all about? Paul saying, you know what? The Spirit of God is saying expressly, explicitly, uh, underline, italics, bold, the Spirit, and now he's going to say this is what the Spirit said. Is that a problem? Listen, it can be for me Sometimes, uh, people living together, they're not married, and the Spirit of God told me this was okay because we love each other and we're getting married anyway. Um, no, the Spirit of God did not, and now you're compounding your sin of living together without benefit of marriage by blaming God on your sinfulness. Now, I'm the one who says God can speak to us, I always say that. I say, you know, in, in, in John where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I believe that. But I have been subject to, and you have been, people saying, well, Jesus told me. The Spirit of God said when the Spirit of God hadn't said. Someone came and rebuked me, telling me that Jesus sent them to do that and rebuked the leadership of this church. Carl mercifully was absent, <laughs> so uh, three out of the four elders uh, were rebuked by Jesus for something that none of us had any, <laughs> none of us were to blame. None of us did anything that we were being to- excoriated. This is your horrible and you should stop and you should repent from nothing that we did. Did Jesus send that person to rebuke us? I would submit to you, No. Uh, maybe Jesus didn't get the memo that we didn't do that, that what we were being blamed for. I'm just giving you an example. And if you know, if you're putting all the, connecting all the dots, I don't care. All I'm trying to make a point here, uh, you got hurt feelings? Not at all. Not at all. Did Jesus send that person? No. Jesus would know that we had nothing to do with what we were being blamed for. Nothing to do. And uh, was that person wrong? Yes. On several counts, what they were saying was not something Jesus would endorse through his word. And then he didn't tell that person to do that because Jesus would know better. He would know that you're yelling at the wrong people. 
But we always say, a lot of us say this. Now listen, I'm the one who's saying cultivate that hearing from the Spirit of God. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to God speaking in your lives. When God speaks to me, he's usually endorsing what he's already said in his Word. Now sometimes there's a little bit of an extra biblical kind of thing going on. Where should I go to college? Well, I'm going to pray. Where should I go to, should I marry this one? Should I take this job? I just took, I just took another job. You don't think I was prayerful? You don't think I felt like I heard from God? Because if I didn't, why am I doing what I did? I'm saying, do that, cultivate that. But don't, your mayhem and your dreck and your drama and your blatherskate and your bloviating, don't blame that on God, please. That's ridiculous. And I think when we do that with people, they know the difference. And they're saying, oh, you'll say, well, God told me to do this and God told me to do that. And that, now we're, and they're saying, boy, your God's a, and fill in the pejorative term here. I remember in a Bible study where a woman, godly woman, nice as all get out, you know, we're talking about different verses. Well, the Spirit of God seems to be telling me, and then she said one of the most <laughs> void of intellect things maybe I've heard in my life. And I was sarcastically thinking, wow, the Spirit of God is really dumb. Uh, of course, that was boarding on blasphemy on my part. But I was just thinking what, what they had said. Don't blame God on your... So we do it to cover our sin, and we do it to when we're just struggling for an answer. Now, that's what you don't do. Is Paul doing that? No, no, no. Paul's hearing from the... Paul's writing Scripture. And by the way, you know what the problem is with that? You know, I hear people all the time, well, God told me this, and God told me that, and the Spirit of God told me this, and Jesus told me this, and you know, I was praying the other night, and God came to me, and God said, I'm thinking, wow, you don't even need a Bible. You've got a hotline to heaven. God visits you and just tells you the deal. You can write Scripture. You're awesome. I, I want us to go very careful there and be very, very humble, because, you know, I've said that, and you've heard me say stuff like, well, I really feel like God, and I think it, you might want to start with, I really feel like God, because, you know, it's not an absolute, I mean, sometimes we think, this is what God is saying in my life. And the time when I'm most adamant about it is when it lines up with Scripture exactly. You know, and by the way, when that little voice in your head is telling you one thing and Scripture is telling you another, believe Scripture. <laughs> I know this is the Word of God. What my heart suggests I do may not even have anything to do with God. The heart is wicked, is deceitful above all else. Who can know it? So a lot of us, every day we think like, well, what should I do? What do I think? What I? That's a really, really, really bad place to start. It can't, nothing good can come of that after that. You understand that, right? Your desperately wicked heart's going to guide you. Like, listen to, you know, girls talk, you know. Well, I don't know if I love him or not. I wonder if I should. And the other girl will be there. Well, just listen to your heart. And I'm thinking, listen to that perverse, sick organ in your... No, that's, it's, it's perverted, it's twisted, it's broken. Don't listen to that. Listen to the Word of God. And it's usually like, you know, this Chris, two Christian girls talking. One, should I... I wonder if I should date him. I wonder if I should give myself away to him. No, no, no. Don't listen to your heart. Listen to the Word of God. Goodness. <sighs> Never mind. I told you, every place here is a stopping off point for, I can go on. The Spirit speaketh expressly. Now, the Spirit's telling him something, but it's lining up with the Word of God because all Scripture's Spirit breathes. And this isn't the only place in Scripture it says this. The Spirit speaketh expressly, implicitly, exactingly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Boy, I wish I could illustrate this somehow. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Listen, all churches in America are on decline except for a very few. All denominations are in decline except for a very few. Uh, Calvary Chapel, we're holding our own. Uh, gro great growth, not really. There might be a church here and a church there. All churches, all the denominations, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopalian, Congregational, Catholic, Protestant, it, it, they're all in the decline. Why? Uh, I don't know, because in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now let's talk about this for a second. 
If an individual church is in decline, what does that tell you? Nothing, not much. You know, people don't like the pastor. He's not teaching the Word of God. Maybe. You don't know, because you can't judge success by numbers. I found out a long time ago. If you're doing good, God will bless and church will overflow and everything else. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, You can preach and teach to a small congregation in a rural community your whole life and be doing exactly what God wants you to do. It's not always, you know, connect the dots. You're doing right, you'll meet with great success. It doesn't always work that way, especially in the light of the fact that some, in a lot of times people are departing from the faith. My personal prayer is, Lord, give us revival or just get us out of here. Come back, blow the trumpet, we're so ready. Or revival. I don't like any other options, just maintaining a sort of status quo and living out our days. If I live out my days teaching the Word of God, I think that's that's life well spent. Having said that, a lot of people are departing from the faith. Now, I want you to understand something right here, right now. I'm going to say it, just say it. People leaving here means people have left here. That doesn't mean they've left the faith. If people leave here for whatever reason and go to a different church, praise God. Not everyone can receive from me. Not everyone likes Calvary Chapel. For whatever reason. Is it hurt? Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, yeah. I mean, don't cry for me, but yeah. When you pour your love, you pour your life, and you pour yourself into somebody, and they say, thanks, no thanks, I'm out, and I'm over somewhere else. Well, am I bitter? No, no. I haven't got a bitter bone in my body. B- believe me on that. Is it sad? It's a little bit sad. It's always a little bit sad. Now, having said that, I'm praising God that they're under a place where they can get teaching. That's not always the case. Sue's ran into somebody yesterday. I'm not, you don't know, and I'm not going to tell, but Oh, you know, because of the work schedule, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to get out much, so we're going to the Catholic Church. But at least we're getting, you know, we're at least we're under the word. And I, was, I would like to have been there, because please explain the logic underlying that conclusion. But that's just me. <laughs> I probably would have said it in the flesh, too, so I'm kind of glad I wasn't there. Suze is a lot more gracious than I am, and as you can well imagine. Uh, but I was thinking that reason they departed, and they depart the faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go into a church that doesn't believe in salvation by grace through faith. Did they depart the faith? Well, in my way of thinking, yeah. I, listen, I know Catholicism. I used to belong to it. I know it well. I don't go there anymore. Was that a departing? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And people leave here and go nowhere? Is that a departing? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it is. People leave churches all over, everywhere, and they go to nowhere. Wow, how does that happen? Listen, because they gave heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They're not believing right. They're not thinking right. Well, I have to go to church to be holy. Excuse me? You ridiculous person. What do, you, what do you do with the verses? It's forsake not the assembling as yourselves together, as the manner of some is. But evermore, as that day is approaching, it, God, uh, God's calling us to build up, edify one another. How do you not do exactly what the Bible says to do and then call it holy? Well, how does that even work? And, but you just, gave, you just gave heed to seducing spirits. You just listen to what Satan was saying, not to what God was saying. I was you know, turn on YouTube and watch someone preach and get as much. No, you can't. How are you ministering your gifts in a situation like that? How are you edifying one another? How are you building up somebody from your YouTube portal? Show me how it works, because I don't know. Uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's exactly what it's saying here. Leaving the faith, listening to the lie. People listen to lies so much they think it's true, and it's not true. It's, it's, a, it's a seducing spirit, and it's a doctrine of a devil. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So what happens? They lie 
to themselves, and then they try to lie to you. Does it work? No, it never does. It's, it's, the word hypocrisy is false pretense, obviously. You know what hypocrisy is, dissimulation, two-faced. You know, say one thing, you do another. But here's the whole thing. Why they give heed to seducing spirits? Because they, 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 they weren't in the Bible. They will listen to these false, this false doctrine, this false teaching, believed it. Will it have a, a working in their life? Yeah, they end up being lied. They end up lying and lying to themselves. And at first they lie to themselves, then they lie to everybody else. No, this is okay, and this is why it's okay. Well, what about this verse? Well, I don't consider that verse. I'll think about that verse. It's still okay. What about this, what the Bible teaches? Well, I don't care about what the Bible teaches. I just care about what's okay in my own conscience. Con- your conscience. Don't go by your conscience. You've already said that through with a hot iron. It's not working anymore. It's not functional. I've always said... Don't break your conscience. You're going to be needing that later on. People have a seared conscience. Think about the guy who's writing this, Paul the Apostle. I'm killing people on behalf of God. (laughs) Women begging for their mercy, and I'm running them through with a sword as they're screaming, as I'm killing their children, as I'm dragging them off to jail. That's somebody whose conscience was seared with a hot iron. Can God miraculously reintroduce conscience? Yeah. Yeah, he can. Still, having said that, don't break that conscience. You'll be needing that. Uh, forbidding to marry. Now, this is one of the things. Okay, this is how the, these, this is played out in this day, and it's still played out in our days. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath, crea- uh, hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused, if it, is, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now listen, any questions? <laughs> we got to talk about it a little bit, right? This is, this is as clear as any scripture that there is. But still we have problems because people don't listen to scripture. Now how does this, this seducing spirit and doctrine, how's some of the ways it plays out? Now listen, you're still leaving the faith, right? That's the problem. Now he's given us examples. You say, well this isn't the example. I'm good here. I'm a married person, and I am a meat eater, so I'm all good. (laughs) He's giving examples. Don't use the example as the, oh, I know I'm right with God because I like like pork chops and I'm happily married. (laughs) Please, please. He's giving a couple of examples here in his day, and we've talked about this. The super spiritual, we don't marry. We're we're above that. Uh, I I grew up in a Catholic church. You know, the, the really spiritual... They're either in a convent or in a rectory somewhere. You've got to give yourself to God. You can't give yourself to anybody else, obviously. And the Catholics aren't the only ones who do that. You know, the whole thing now is in Europe, marriage has kind of gone by. People, in America, it's, you know, we're only a half of, I don't know, five, ten years behind Europe, we're, this, we're, we're, we're at that model. We're trying to, like, Europeans, get out all the answers. We've got to do what they do. I don't think so. I just so don't. Anyway, they don't have, because we just live together for a while. Then when, you know, that, when, oh, promise forever, rich or poor, that stuff's so gone by the tip. Who does that anymore, right? No, we're just living together. We have all the benefits and none of the woes that go with marriage, and yay, let's do that. So that's the kind of way I think, like, people are forbidding to marry. And, like, I mean, like, to get like a, you know, one of your friends to get married in Europe, and dude, what are you thinking? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's time to settle down to have kids. To you, don't, you can have kids. You don't have to get married. I mean, that's kind of a drastic step, isn't it? And they get a marriage, uh, you know, invitation. to marriage. What am I going to do with this? I don't even know what this even looks like anymore. I think we're headed that way, too. Uh, super spiritual. Because we're just committed to each other. We don't have to get married. What, you're ridiculous. You're fornicating. That's, I'm sorry. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> I didn't wake you up, did I? <laughs> that, no, that's Scripture. That's, and it's always going to be that way. And God's never going to change. All around us, there's winds of change. There's people thinking different. People don't marriage vows on what they once were. And the Word of God never changes. I feel the same way I've always felt about marriage because I have Bible belief in marriage. I'm not giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat. 
You know, I wish I could give you an example. I can't think of any. Now, listen, you're a diet person, okay? You get the paleo thing or you're doing that. You know, there's so many different. If you're trying to eat healthy, I don't think this verse is talking to you. I mean, I really, really, really don't. Even if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, don't eat with me if you're a vegan. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't go that far. If you're, if, if you're a vegetarian, I, I, can, I can eat spaghetti without meat sauce, and I can be perfectly happy. I, we can go out to dinner. We, we'll, we'll be all right. Okay? I, I love salad, okay? No problem there. Uh, but if you're a vegan, you know, I can't even have butter on my bread. or you know, No, forget it. I can't go that far. I'm just, yeah. God bless you. Enjoy your dinner. I don't want to be there. Uh, so even if you're vegetarian, I mean, you're like, you know, because you think it's very, very healthy. Don't think it's very, very holy. Okay, because this is what the verse is telling us. All right? I'm not ever opposed to you doing what you think is best for your physical frame. I use the words nutrition Nazi because they both start with N. I don't really think anyone's a Nazi because they're like super into, you know, nutrition. And, and a mom trying to serve nutritional options for her kids. God bless you, mom. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that... Now, exclude that person, because I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Paul's the one who like, wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 about, you know, you get um, that meat that was offered to idols. And you remember that whole thing? Let's look at that, because I think it's kind of semi-important. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, that we look at it. Um, Whatever is, okay, chapter 10, verse 25. Whatever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. How could I do that? Because 26, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you'd be disposed to go, whatever set before you eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. Later on in, in the book of Romans, chapter 14, he says, don't, Eat anything that's going to offend your brother. So you have to do this balancing act. Don't ask questions because you don't want to hurt your conscience. Well, that was offered to idol. Well, you should have told me after I eat it. Now I can't eat it. <laughs> that's my whole thing. Uh, so he's, look at forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from each, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. What about pork chops? What about it? Verse 4, every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm saying it's holy, it's sanctified. Went out to, uh, me and Suze were with some old friends of ours. He's a pastor and his wife. We were at McDonald's and got like hot fudge sundaes. And we're about to dive in. She says, shouldn't we ask the blessing? <laughs> please do and she's like you know uh, God that you might uh, bless and sanctify this for the you know health of our body and stuff and I'm like that's a miracle wow uh, it's it's the story's told with Chuck and he was at a donut shop with some friends and someone said should we ask the blessing and he, they got muffins and donuts and all this stuff he says listen we know it's not healthy let's just dig in <laughs> it's unhealthy just go for it I, I think it, when we ask for the blessing on the food and stuff like that, and it might nourish and strengthen us, we say things like that. I don't think it means that that unhealthful food suddenly becomes, so I'm just, I got, a, I got a M&M's there, and I'm, well, the peanut ones, because peanuts are good for you, because, you know, they're nuts, and God made them. And So I ask the blessing, and suddenly M&M's is the new health food. I've tried that with French fries and potato chips and, that's what I think, and eat healthy, ask the blessing, and down it goes. I'm not, that's, that's scripture. Now, anyone wants to stop, talk about, you want to talk about health, that's one thing. You want to talk about holiness, because people always confuse these things. Well, I don't eat that. You know, body's a temple and stuff like that. And the inference is you shouldn't be eating it either. What's your problem? How come you're not as holy as me? Stop that. Just stop it. There's, what does it mean to you? Every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. What does that mean to you? It means to me that every creature of God is good, not healthy, not nutritional. Uh, every God, creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. It is received with thanksgiving. You, this was written at a time when, listen, we eat like emperors. 
We, our problem isn't enough food. Our problem is too much food. If we're honest with you. And, and we, we eat like emperors. Just think about what they had. They were fighting for their very existence. Food was very precious. They didn't like let any go at the end of the... They're like, well, we scrape that off into the... We'll let the no, no. Everything was eaten and stuff like that. If you grew up in a poor home, you know, your mom and dad would tell you about starving children in China and stuff like that. And they didn't want any of their food wasted. I get it. Now we get so much and so easy. The, the poorest of us in America eat like kings of yesteryear. But let me just tell you this. Every creature of God is good. Nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. I pray over my hot dog and away she goes. Just say, really? And if you have a problem with that, eat kosher franks. I don't, Whatever. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. What? Remind the brethren they could eat hot dogs? No. Remember, it started talking about giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and people were departing from the faith. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you're doing Good, you're being a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. When to thou hast attained. You know what you need in your life? You need good doctrine. It was, it will, listen, if you take this book and you digest it in and you live it out, every relationship you have is going to be a better relationship. You're going to have a better work ethic. You're going to have a better marriage. You're going to have a better everything. You're going to have better social life. You're going to have better... Uh, when you goof off life, everything is going to be better. It's sanctified by the Word. The Word comes in, it changes us, we live it out, and everything in our life is better. The problems arise when we think like, uh, I know better than God. I, and see, the, the problem here is like, and forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. That happens still, but I think our problem is in the other direction. We know better than God. See, these people have more rules than God. And we still, legalism is always an issue in church. But I think our issues are, oh, I, God, is, God should change with the times. How come God doesn't know that this is okay now? But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise uh, thyself unto godliness. How come they're not old guys' fables, old husbands' fables? How come they're old wives' fables? Uh, you notice how Paul's never politically correct? And by the way, can I just say this? This is how it was. I mean, think about the time when he's writing. Women worked together. They, when they, if they were like, uh, you know, uh, running a loom, it was kind of a team effort. If they're like, uh, um, what's the word where you, grain, where you, uh, what, thresh. When you're threshing out grain, stuff like that. It's a team effort. It's, it's something like women worked together in the home. They cooked together. They baked together. They did those things together. Men working in a, a field were not like, we worked all day yesterday. Nobody told any stories. We had a wonderful day. We weren't storytelling. Guys do that. You know, I go fishing with a friend or something like that and Sue say like, well, how'd it go? Oh, great. What'd you talk about? Talk about? Well, guys, we didn't talk about stuff. We just kind of hung out and had a perfectly good time doing it. Women talk, and they exchange stories. It's one of the differences in gender, if you ask me. Not all women, not all men, obviously, but women talk. Is that a bad thing? Not at all. I think women make better friends with women than guys have. We, our friendships are less conditional, but women's are like more on a soul level. And guys kind of like, hey, he's my buddy, he's my... You know, I don't know. It's, it's different. Guys' friendship is different. Women have that, like I say, soul-level communication. Why, how do they do it? They tell stories. They share. They commit on a soul level. Guys are, like, uncomfortable doing that. <laughs> Most guys. Yeah, I don't want to hear about how you felt about, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, you, you had feelings about, I don't want to know. So women get together and they work and they tell stories. And some of the stories aren't true stories. And I think that's what he's saying. Do we still have old wives' fables? Yeah. Yeah. I can give you like a dozen examples of them. Do you know what they are? Forget about it. Just, I can believe what somebody told me, or I can believe the Word of God. I think it's an easy, clear choice. 
I'm trying to find out every day what the Bible says and every day line up my life to it. And I think my life goes exceedingly well when I do. When I think I know more than God, I believe the original lie. You can be as God's knowing good and evil. God told you this. What does he know? You're your own God. You're your own, you can make your own choice. It was a lie then. It's a lie now. For bodily exercise, oh, but refuse profane and old wise fable, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Now he's going to talk about exercise, and he introduces it. Bodily exercise, exercise profiteth little. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bodily exercise profits a little. It's better understood for a little while. Does bodily exercise profit? Yeah, he's saying it does. No argument. Who's arguing it? Bodily exercise profit. It's good for a little while. You have a workout and you feel like you get them endorphins and you get, the, and get all that and you feel real good. and you like, Yeah, of course you would. A little tired, but it's a good tide, right? You went bicycling or you worked out, you pumped iron or just had a brisk walk or went to uh, climb Mount Katahdin or whatever it is. Yeah, that's good. It's profit. It profits for a little while. But let me tell you about godliness. It's profitable for everything. This is my point all the time. This is why I teach the Bible. You apply the Bible to any part of your life, bingo. It's profitable. Having promised the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Now here's the problem, here's the disconnect. Everyone thinks, oh, pie in the sky, by and by. I live godly, and then when I go to heaven, yay. No, stop that. Shake your head till the idea falls right out. It's good for right now. This is what he's saying. Uh, it's profitable unto all things, having promise of this life that now is. If I exercise godliness in this life, profit. I told you. I apply the word of God to my marriage. Hey, we're rocking it at my house. I don't know. I, I, are we having like all this drama and drack and because I'm a selfish jerk and because I'm always trying to be selfish and I'm always trying to get my own way all the time without any and she's like this like drudge I got her working her knuckles to the bone and and she's kind of my slave because the Bible says I'm the leader of my house and I just I just apply all these and no just love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it well, how about that verse? How about I apply that verse? I don't have women come to me and say, he loves me way too much. You've got to make him stop. He treats me like the whole world is, revolves around me. Please. Now, it's, I'm just giving you one example. I'm just giving you one example. It's profitable for this life and for the life to come. It's a faith walk. Um, I don't understand how if I try to make her happier than I try to make me happy, it's going to work out for both her and me. I don't understand how that works. So I walk, I step, I walk out in faith, because this is what the Bible says, love her like Christ loved the church. What does that mean, by the way? Go into her world and die there. That's how Christ loved the church. And what does that death look like? Death to self, death to selfishness. Come home and she wants information, you know. How'd it go? I don't know. Good. <laughs> details. I want details. I'm like, all right, let's see. I, I don't know. I turn my computer on. <laughs> Same password. I, uh, I don't have it, but she, she wants that stuff. And I'm just trying to, she wants on an emotional level. I try to you know, reach her on an emotional level. I hate that. No, it's like, but that's what a woman wants, it seems to me. So it's not about what I want, it's about what. And does that work? Listen, it's profitable. I'm going to give you the best example. It's profitable to all things. Having promised life now is and of that which is to come. You need faith to walk this life. You don't need to listen to profane wise tales. You don't need to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Because you need to have a faith walk. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You need a faith walk. You need it in this life. And you need it forever. It's the coin of the realm. It's what produces happiness, joy in God as we have faith in Him. 
This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. What, the verse that's coming up? No, the one we just said. The verse coming up, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially on those who believe. That's not the verse he's talking about. This is a faithful saying. This is beyond arguing. You can't even argue this, is what he's saying. This is faithful. Just accept this on face value. There's no reverse side of this coin. Just because it is true that when you exercise godliness, it's profitable for the right now, and it's profitable forever. I wish if I could just teach kids any one thing, I could teach them that. Well, I got to go do this. I got to experiment with this. I got to. You got to just find what the Word of God says and live it out. That's what you need. Now, if I could talk to any adults who past child age, especially a group of unbelievers, what I'd say to them is. Take the Bible. Live the Bible. It's good for now. It's good forever. What do you want in life? Happiness. I want happiness. Well, you don't, really. You want joy. Happiness is so circumstantial. Somebody died who I love. Now I'm very, very unhappy, as you should be. Have you been at a funeral and experienced joy? I have. It's totally different. It does not depend on circumstance at all i can be going through a really difficult troublesome time and have the joy of the lord in my heart how do you do that you need the word of god you need you need the spirit of god okay this this you can't even argue with this that godliness is you're exercising your and by what does it mean exercise how you exercise godliness read the word of God every day, live it, pray, attend church, give. Say, give. Ah, see, I knew it was all about the money. You know better than that. Stop it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You give me someone's bank book. We used to have those, remember? (laughs) How we pay everything online. You give me somebody's financial statement. I'll tell you where their heart is. It's obvious to me. It'd be obvious to you. Yes, we do things like give, we do things like fellowship, we do things like, you know, go to church, we do things like read the Bible, we do things like pray, we do things that build up our spiritual inner man. And what should we not do? Things that tear it down. You know, I I listen to some music sometimes. I like Sinatra. I know everyone's like, what, do it my way? Uh, I did it my way. No, not that song in particular, but I like Sinatra, chairman of the board. He's great. But a little of that goes a long way, I noticed. It doesn't really defeat me spiritually, but I notice that I listen to a lot of like mm, secular music. It's not really good for my soul. If I listen to worship music all day, boy, at the end of the day, look out, look out. I go find me some demons to chase or something or terrorize. Cause, you know how some things just build you up and some things just don't? There's TV shows that you just, nah, after that, you kind of feel like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Have. You know how it is. You all know how it is. Uh, so you watch, you know, Big Bang or something like that, you go going to hell. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I never say stuff like that. I'm saying, some, you know, some things leave a nah, taste in your mouth, like, ah, it wasn't really benefit to my spirit. Well, do the things that build up your spirit. Do the things that help you. Don't mess around with stuff that doesn't help you. And I think God will give you discernment in those things. I know a lot of us, we just, all we are is about trying to please ourselves. How's that going, by the way? I bet you're the most miserable person ever. I used to be. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And it always led to a bad place. Always. And then I kept it up and I'd press on. I'd tried more. And it would lead to a worse place. I'd give up and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And now my life is full of joy. I don't, I'm just, listen, I'm not charging for that. I'm not trying to, what do you think I say things like this for? I'm just trying to help you out. I'm trying to be a pastor. I'm trying to love you. The, uh, being selfish and trying to live for self doesn't lead to any place good. It's a faithful saying. Yeah, you, you can't even argue these things. So that's why we both labor and suffer reproach. Will we be suffering reproach if we live godly? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even that's joyful. We both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. That's another one of the very, very many verses that subtly talk about the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, we trust in the living God 
who is the Savior of all men. Who's the Savior of all men? Jesus Christ is the Savior of all men. Uh, in case you get the memo, yes, he is. And he's the living God. Just one of the very, very many verses that tell us that. Well, he saves all, everybody. Yeah, when I was five, I went down to the front of the church and they prayed over me and I got baptized and I'm saved, right? Who said? Are you living the life now? Are you, are you doing those godly things that we talked about? No, never. Oh. <laughs> but you count on when you were five that choice you made? Really? Wow, the Bible never does that. The Bible never does. So I, I had a group of people again. I said, okay, uh, are you saved? You know, and it was like, um, for, I think it was in a Awana club or something like that. Um, say, yeah. And I'd say, well, tell me about it. And they'd say, back when I was, zoop, sit down. And I'd say, okay, you saved? Yep. Uh, well, tell me about it. Well, ba- uh, in uh, February of, t- nope, sit down. Were they saved? Well, Probably. But the Bible never does that. It never points to a time back. Are you saved? Uh, I said to the, this young lady who's working with us in Awana, she said, yes, I am. I said, well, tell me about it. She goes, the Spirit of God lives in my life, and I love and I read. I said, okay, you, you remain standing. I, wonder, I was trying to get them to understand this. Because this, people think like, yeah, back when I was seven, back when I was eight, back when I was nine, and I did, were you not here when I said, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, and in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. How do you know you still have the faith? Well, listen, I know I have the faith. It's not historical at all. It's right here, right now. Jesus is alive in my life, and he's the center of my whole focus, my whole being, my whole everything is trying to bring joy to my Savior. Now, if that's what your life looks like, you know what? You're probably saved. If your life is all about you, and the whole world is cro- closed in around you, and it's all about what you want. Listen, t- stop getting historical on me. And I said, this is, uh, hey, you think I'm going on my way to punch somebody else? Isn't what these verses are saying? And by the way, I never want to purposefully hurt anyone's feelings, but this is what the Scripture, and if teaching, I always say, teaching Scripture, if, if I step on your toes, you shouldn't move your toes. No, no apologies to Scripture. These things command and teach. So I'm commanding them and teaching them. Because from verse 6, if you put the brethren in remembrance of the things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So I want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I so want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I so want to be. And I'm trying to put you in remembrance of these things. These things command and teach. Do these things. These, it's, hey, this is an optional. Well, if you know you feel like you want to kind of, he's not even saying he's command. This is a command. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what you need to know. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth. You know, funny, nobody's despising my youth these days. <laughs> he's writing to Timothy. He's writing to Timothy. And what he's saying is, you're a young man, but don't let that stand in your way. Serve the Lord. Do people have a hard time receiving from younger people? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times. A lot of times, people, young people bring reproach to the name of Christ just by being young, inexperienced, and a lot of other problems that go with youth too. Are we doing a good job with our youth here? I think we do in Sunday school and things like that. You know what I think we don't do? Bridge the gap between youth an adult very well. Just saying. Uh, I bit, you know, I, I went to the Catholic Church. Once, you know, there's a lot of kids doing a lot of stuff because it's church and they don't have nursery in Catholic Church. So, you know, nursing moms are there and babies are there and toddlers are there and they're squirmy and they're just like little people. And I'm not suggesting we do that. It was totally a hard thing. You know, you had a funeral wedding and there's some kid squalling, you know, upsetting everybody and stuff. And I'm not, I'm not thinking that's a great thing. We have, you know, different places for... Uh, we want to gear down our ministry to reach those little people at, at a level they can understand. I think like a, a four-year-old being in our uh, service would be tremendously tedious for them. I get that. 
I don't think 11-year-old or 12-year-old is tremendously tedious. I think we've got to, like, bridge that. And I'm not sure we do that really good. Where am I talking about this? Let no man despise their youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and impurity. That's how people are despising Timothy's youth and youth in, in it. Because, but all you got to do is be an example. This is how people won't despise your youth. Don't give them ammunition. So he's a young man. By the way, this could be his, this word could be his, means somebody up to the age of 40. So we're not talking about like a, a 15-year-old leading a church. Okay, that, that's, forget that. Uh, so what is he in his 20s? 30s? We don't know. Uh, a young man. But he's got the goods. He's, he's, he's godly. He, he's got all the qualifications. Don't let anyone despise you. Be an example. Continue to be an example, I, I would say, uh, to the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in love, right? In spirit, in faith, in purity. I'm not a guy who uh, despises youth. I really don't. Um, we always talk about like you know you get a, a pastor, even a Calvary Chapel pastor, bang on kids, you know, for for their styles, for uh, you know wearing skinny jeans or for tattoos or for you know the hair or a lot of times clothes. You know, kids wear them pants that down around the, the top and starts down around with a down around here, and they get like a big this much of their underwear sticking out on the top. And the crotch is way down about here on their knees and stuff like that. Do, do you think that's a silly look? I kind of do, but I, you never hear me preach against it. Because I was thinking like when, not all kids do that, obviously. But when I was uh, you know, a kid, I wore ridiculous things too. You know, I might have thought they were cool in the day. I look back at them, I just go, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Uh, but zeitgeist has a lot to do with it, and certainly fashion. So I had my bell bottoms and my, you know, Beatles haircut and all that. You know, I was, that, was the, that was what everyone was wearing. If I had, like, you know, straight jeans like I did now and uh, hair like I did now, people looked at me like, you know, dude, what's your problem, you know? And our parents looked at us, and it just, it's just a different thing. You know, my dad was like James Dean, you know, had the cigarettes rolled up in his uh, th- his T-shirt in the in the you know the sleeve there, and he had the uh, DA you know all slicked back and kind of in that you know, and his dad was probably on him about, and so I grew my hair long. My dad was on me about it, and why well, do you look like a hippie and you know all this stuff? And I, I don't I don't care about dumb stuff like that. I don't care about fashion, you know. Um, be godly. Be godly, you skinny boy jeans. I don't care about stuff like that. Uh, be a godly example. Uh, I'm not holding anyone back because they're young. I hope that's true of me. Um, I told you the story, and I'm going to end here. We're not going to finish the chapter. We went to the East Coast Pastors Conference, and they had a breakout session with just pastors because not everyone goes there as pastors. And they're asking, like, uh, was anyone an elder by the time they were 18. <laughs> yes, Calvary Chapel passes that. About half the room raised their hand. Defi- show me another church like that. And he said, that, do any of you have elders who are under 20, uh, 18 or 19? Or tw- under 20, I think is what he said. And I went and looked around, and I was the only one with my hand in the air. And it was because it, it was Matt. You guys remember Matt's moved on. Uh, at that time, was, was Matt a godly man? Yeah, he had already been through the school of ministry. He had all the qualifications of elder. When we started, it was me and Ron and Matt were the elders, and we had uh, John from, uh, on the board, John Mills from Calvary Chapel in Bangor, and that was it. Um, it's changed since. Um, people have come, people have gone. Uh, but uh, listen, what, what do I say, think? Uh, I'm not even think about you as far as elders. So you're at least 50. No, it's kind of worked out that that way recently, stuff like this. But hey, hey, show me those qualifications in a young man. Don't let anyone despise your youth. 
what you got to do, you got to be an example of believers in word, conversation, charity, in spirit, in faith, and purity. One of the things I don't see very often in youth. I think we have some excellent examples here, though. Can I just say, I think we have some excellent examples here, as far as I know. Um, you know, we'll have uh, the uh, worship team come up. I think they're uh, a good example in purity, as far as I understand. Of course, who knows anything? I, but I, from what I know, and if, we, they, if I felt like they weren't, they wouldn't be <laughs> leading worship. And I think we have, you know, good youth, good, you know. Uh, anyway, I kind of, I wish I had more time to finish that off, but we don't. And uh, I probably went fast and I already should be, should have went. So let's stand, let's pray, and let's, uh, our very pure uh, worship team will come. And uh, that's not a, that's not a slam. I hope you take that as a compliment it was meant. Lord, we thank you for your word, and um, I, I know it's garbled, and you know who your servant is here. A um, lot of thoughts coming at us, a lot of different places, and but I take I pray you'd take this and bless the part that you can bless, Lord, the the, the, the part that makes us more like Jesus. Lord, we already saw if we ex ourselves to godliness, the payoff is now and forever. Help us, Lord, just step out on faith and be those people. Lord, have us be done with our own ideas. Uh, we're going to depart from the faith sooner or later if we just think that we know better than you know. Help us to, nobody here, Lord, we claim everybody here under the word, under, just commend them to you. The Spirit of God, you might work in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is our desire to get God's Word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear I count it all